0: In Pashas Mishpatim, toward the beginning, the Torah describes a scenario of two men who are fighting. One of them injures the other. So if he survives, there's no question of murder, manslaughter here. If he survives, the victim, then v'nikaha then the assailant is acquitted, is off the hook for murder. Rak, shivto yitain He has to pay sheves, and he has to heal him. Shivto, Sheves, what does that mean? That means lost wages, while the, while the victim is incapacitated, recovering from his injury, so he loses income, he can't work for, for that period of time. That is shivto. And verapo yerape means he is responsible for healing. him. Chazal, in general, tell us, they, they infer from various psukim, this pasuk, other psukim describing assaults, Chazal tell us that there are actually five causes of action for personal injury. When someone injures somebody else, he pays tsar, Nezek, Sheves, boschus and Ripoy. Not all of them apply in every case, but there are a total of five different causes of action. So two of them are in our Pasuk. Shivto is Sheves. He said lost wages, he can't work. Ripoy is paid for his medical treatment. Rapa yarape. The other three, Nezek, is long-term economic damage. If he's permanently injured, you damage his arm. He can't work. He can't work for the rest of his life. Even after he recovers from the trauma of the injury, that's nezek, similar to shevis. Shevis is the short-term loss of wages while he's recuperating. Nezek is the long-term decrease in his value as a slave, which is another way of assessing his uh, his uh, economic injury. So there's nezek. There is tsar, the pain. The pain that he feels due to the he suffers due to the injury and boshas humiliation nezik we learn from ayin taches ayin the famous eye for an eye which chazal, chazal interpret unanimously virtually unanimously does not mean actually that we take out the eye of the of the aggressor it means he pays for the eye tsar also kvia tahas kvia petzah tahas we learn that you, if he made a wound you make a wound in him doesn't mean that we torture him, we inflict the pain on him. It means he pays for the pain. He pays, the Gemara has different ways of evaluating how much pain is worth, how much would you pay to accept the pain, how much would you pay to avoid the pain, and so on. So, and Boschus, similar thing. We we, we put a price tag on the value of the the, the humiliation, the value of not being humiliated, and that's how much you have to pay. These are the five causes of action for personal injury, two of which are mentioned in this PASIK. Now, regarding Repoy, the obligation to arrange for his medical treatment, so Chazal bring a famous brisa, a couple of places in Shas, Bava Kama, Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Devei Rabbi Shmuel Omer, V'rapa Yerape, Mikan Shanitein Rishus L'Rofei L'Rapos. From here we see that the physician has permission, has authority to heal. The Torah grants the physician the authorization to practice his craft. The Rishonim, numerous Rishonim struggle with this. You need authorization? Sounds like a no brainer. Why shouldn't you, the, the physician, heal? It's a great mitzvah to, to help one's fellow Jew. The Gemara and Sanhedrin says that the you have to return someone's lost property. Kalvachomer, a fortiori, you have to preserve his life. If you can save his life, if you can save him from, from death, certainly you have to. That's uh, Kalvachomer from Hashem HaSeveda. Losamr el Dam you're not let us stand idly by while another Jew comes to harm, death, or other type of injury? Well, Samuel al dam So, of course you have to, of course the physician is doing a great mitzvah by saving somebody's life, by treating somebody. Why does he need Rishus? What's the chidrash of this pasuk? What else would you think he's supposed to do? So the Rishadim give a number of terutim, perhaps the most uh, best known, widely adopted, is the basic idea that basic point made by Rashi. Rashi says, Nitna Rashus Rinan." we might have thought, or the doctor might we might have said, Masi." God smote him, God brought misfortune upon him. You're trying to outsmart God, you're, you're trying to beat God and the, God runs the world, God has a plan. You're trying to uh, you're trying to defeat God and running the world. That that doesn't make any sense theologically. That's what we might have thought. Torah says, no, verapo yerape, mi canchinik lero from Lerapus. Tosh says something similar. Tosis points out, the Torah says, Verapo Yerapay, two words meaning repute. Why do you need both? So Tosus says, we might have thought, again, the Pasik is talking about two people in a in a in a fight, one injured the other. That kind of, that kind of injury that that demands in humanity to man that you're allowed to treat. But something that comes from Shemayam, from God. A a, a a natural a, a natural uh, illness or injury. Then Soster, It looks like you're trying to contravene God's plan. won't even at his mutter. Tosis doesn't explain in great detail. Tosis does not do systematic theology. Tosis doesn't explain in great detail the difference between Bide Adam Bide Shemayim, but it could perhaps be understood in the, in light of a famous and somewhat controversial doctrine espoused by some of the Achronim that. Even though God runs the world with divine providence, God arranges things so people get what they deserve, but human beings who have free will, human beings who have personal autonomy, can actually override that. That even when God, even something that's not according to God's plan, humans have, the, humans have this radical degree of personal autonomy to do, to a certain extent, whatever they want, even if that's not according to God's plan. So perhaps that's what Tosis means, that when two people are fighting, one can injure the other, even if that wasn't God's intention. But Machabideh uh, Shemayim is more directly God's intention, and therefore there's, uh, there's more of a svara that you should not be able to treat him. But in any event, whatever tosis means, Kamash Malan, the bottom line is, the Shari, the Maskana, is that it is mutter, that the doctor is authorized to treat both Machabideh Adam as well as Machabideh Shemayim. There isn't Ibn Ezra who seems to suggest that a doctor is not authorized to treat and ha and the doctor can only treat external injuries, but the, but the chali and are different, but the, that's generally not accepted. Of course, we, we generally assume that the doctor is authorized to treat all types of, all types of injuries, and according to Tausfus, that's the second level Chidosh of the Pasuk, similar to Rashi, but going even further, that HaKosh Baruch Hu authorizes physicians to treat patients, whether it's a human-inflicted injury, whether it's a natural injury, a divine injury, so to speak, that uh, theological passivity in the face of God's will is not called for. The Ramban, the Ramban brings a couple of shatim. One one explanation he brings is similar to Rashi and Ptosis. He says that uh, he, he uses language close to Rashi. He says a person might say, "Akash God struck him, and I should heal him. But the Ramban goes a little further. The Ramban says, really. This is a very famous and also controversial idea of the Ramban. The Ramban says, really, going to the doctor is not the ideal response of a spiritual, righteous Jew. A Jew should go to a Navi, go to a Chacham, figure out what Hashem wants from him. Going to a doctor really isn't entirely theologically correct. The Ramban brings a Pasuk about the righteous King Asa. King Asa is criticized because on his deathbed, he fell ill. And begam B'chalio, the Pesach says, Lo Dorosh Hashem, he did not seek out the Lord, Ki Rather, he sought medical, medical attention. So some of Arshim learn that seeking medical attention is fine, but the problem is that he didn't seek Hashem, he only sought medical attention. He should have, he should have, he should have implemented a, uh, a dual-track approach, gone to the doctors, but also attempted to discern the spiritual root of his malady. Ramban says, no, if that was the problem, that he failed to be Doresh Hashem, Hashem, but going to the doctors was fine, why mention the doctors at all? Ramban says, no, the criticism of him was a dual criticism. First of all, he wasn't Doresh Hashem, but also he went to the Rofim, he went to physicians, a righteous person should not really go to the doctor. However, the Ramban says, that's true, that ideally people should not go to doctors, however, Kfar Nohagu, people do go to doctors, people aren't on such a high madrega. The Ramban's shita is difficult to understand. He has comments on it in a number of places, but he says ideally the people shouldn't be going to doctors, but if they are not on such a high madruga and they do go to the doctors, then the doctors are authorized to treat them as per our pasuk, nitna, nittna, rishus, fe l'rapos. And not only is it a rishus, the Ramban says it's a mitzvah. The Gemara says, rishus, you might think what the doctor does is morally neutral. It's not a theological chutzpah, but it's also not a mitzvah. The Ramban says, no, once it's a rishus, male it's a mitzvah as well, it's a mitzvah rabba, it's a great mitzvah, it's Bechal Nefesh, uh, it's, if you can be Bechal Shabbos to save a life, then certainly it's a great mitzvah, mitzvah rabba So the Ramban says, it is a theologically fraught thing to do, to go to a doctor, but once people do that, once that is the, the course of conduct adopted by the patient, the doctor is permitted and even commanded a mitzvah rabba to treat him. This comes up, this came up recently, we had in Zafyomi, we had the Mishnah or the Brisa, that there were six things that Khiskia did. Three of them were endorsed by the Chachamim, his contemporaries, and one of them was that he hid something called the Sefer HaRufuos. There was a book of medicine, a book of treatments, and he got rid of it. He hid it. What was the book of Refuos and why did he hide it? So Rashi, and, and Ramban, and Rashi, and some of the Rishonim say that it was simply a medical textbook, It had valuable, useful medical information. So why did he hide it? Sounds like it would be a great national treasure. So the the Rishonim say, because people who got sick, like Asa, instead of having bitachon in Hashem, instead of feeling submissive, instead of feeling chastened for their sins, instead of doing tshuva, they would simply say, no problem, I I, I got this, and they would go to the medical book and they would look up the, the disease and they would treat themselves and they would be better. And, the whole, and they would be failing to, 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 to understand what Hashem wanted from them. They would be failing to react in the theologically correct way. This is the Peshat of the Rashba and Rashi, and this is in line with the Ramban, that ideally the, a person should not react to illness and medical misfortune by seeking medical treatment. The Ramban sharply criticizes this approach. The Ramban in Pirish HaMishnah says that, no, the Sefer Rufus was a book of, a book of uh, either arcane or prohibited types of medical information. Either it contained occult information, it's also to practice that information, it prohibits that kind of thing. It was written down for academic purposes. Sanhedrin had to be familiar with Kishof and the occult and so on, but it was purely academic. It was never meant to be used. It wasn't legitimate medical knowledge, and because Chizkiah saw they were misusing it, then he hid it. People were actually starting to use it instead of of reserving it for its... uh, for its proper academic purpose, he, he decided it had to be hidden. Or, the Rambam says, it had information about poisons and antidotes. It was useful for poison control. If people got, were poisoned, they would know how to treat it. A people began... You know, m- man always finds ways to pervert uh, the most useful things. People began to use it as a poisoner's manual, a poisoner's handbook. So he had to hide it. So that's how the Rambam learns. And he says, some people learn... And he brings the idea of rashing, and the other he's shown him, some people learn that there was a theological problem with using legitimate, honest medical knowledge. The, Ramban, the Rambam does not mince words. He says this is idiocy and ridiculous and falsehood and nonsense. And he says, by analogy, he says, a person is afflicted by the great, uh, by the great misfortune of being hungry. And he eats bread. He goes to the closet and he takes some bread and he eats bread. Is that a lack of bitachon? Is he failing to be submissive to God? Of course not, he says. God put us in the world. God gave us, God afflicted us with certain kinds of problems, and he gave us the tools and the resources and the knowledge to solve our problems. So the person who eats bread, he understands Hashem gave him the bread, but he nevertheless he eats the bread knowing that we'll solve his problem, and that is fine. The same thing applies to medical knowledge. It's uh, preposterous to say that the, that hiding honest, legitimate medical knowledge is theologically appropriate, and therefore that can't be presented on the Mishnah. The, there are those who try to argue that it's not really a machlokas, that the. Many acronyms say the Ramban is certainly only talking about people on a high madrega. The Ramban does not expect us, ordinary people like us, to uh, avoid doctors. And some want to say, even the Ramban agrees that there are people on a high madrega who, people on a high enough madrega should behave like the Ramban. They're just talking about different classes of people. I, I don't find that a plausible reading of the Rambam. The Ramban says the whole idea is stupid. He doesn't say it's a nice idea, but it's limited to people on a high madrega. In any event, the Sefer HaKedas Yitzchak explicitly rejects the Ramban. He says the Ramban is completely wrong. The Chazal, the, the normative, normative theology of Hazal is that a person always must be Mishtadel, a person should always make whatever efforts he can to, to uh, better his position, to, 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 to forward his best interest. He says a person should never adopt an attitude of theological passivity, even though Hashem does run the world. That's not the way he expects us to act. He wants us to he was in certain cases for beinonim. what we do does make a real difference, he says, and Akash kashbar who wants us to act, to operate in the world with the, in the world of governed by the laws of nature that we know and Raman is wrong, he says. And in any event, this is a major machlokas, I'll call him. So, so far we've discussed Tupshatim and Rashus Leroy Larapas, broadly speaking, Tupshatim. We discussed the the idea of, well, we discussed mainly one shot, really, the, the the approach of Rashi and Ramban and Tosis that the reason you need Rishus is because the person might think that it's theologically appropriate to remain passive in the face of God's will. Kamash Malone, that it isn't. Rashi and Tosas, it, it isn't entirely. The Ramban says maybe ideally the, 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 the person shouldn't go to the doctor, but once he does, the doctor should treat him. Another approach the Ramban brings is that the... There's a uh, there's a famous principle in medical ethics goes back to the Greeks. It's, it's sometimes called the sometimes called the, <clears throat> the, the it's, it's sometimes considered part of the Hippocratic Oath. Apparently, it's actually not, but it is, but it is the principle of it is the principle of primum non nocere. First, do no harm. Which is that you know when in doubt, don't make things worse. Just uh, unless you unless you're pretty sure you know what you're doing, don't don't do anything. First, do no harm. So the Ramban says a physician might invoke that principle and say Mali Why should I get involved? Maybe I'll make a mistake and I'll injure the patient. I'll kill the patient, and that'll be a terrible thing. I'll be a murderer. So sheval Better not to do anything. Says the Ramban. No nitna uh, uh, Hashem says the physician is authorized to practice his craft. Of course, he has to be yodeb, a b'chachma. He has to be trained, an expert, and he has to be. Uh, he, has to, he has to know what he's doing. But once he does, the Torah is saying, don't be paralyzed by uh, what if something goes wrong, if, if, if in your judgment this is the best thing to do, and this is, uh, this is best for the patient, do it and don't be uh, paralyzed by the fact that maybe something will go wrong and you'll wind up killing the patient. There is a third shot on the Rishon. Some of the balitosis bring a shot of Rabiakov Merolim's, and this is going to be the subject of our, the rest of our share tonight. The Tosis has in brachus says Brachos says, Rabiakov Meraleens asks, Again, same question. Pshita, rishus larophi larapas. Why not? Of course, you should. Of course, you should try to treat patients. Mitzvah Shah eveda. Why not? Says Rabbi Akiva of Orleans. That's exactly the tarotz. Because it's a mitzvah, we might think that a doctor is not allowed to charge because there is a general rule that when you do a mitzvah, we'll discuss this rule in more detail soon. But there is a general rule that when you do a mitzvah, you're not allowed to charge for the performance of the mitzvah. You're not allowed to charge for teaching Torah. You're not allowed to charge, you shouldn't be allowed to charge for blowing shofar. You shouldn't be allowed to charge for being a chazan, for davening for the Amud. You can't charge for being a Dayan. And you shouldn't. Be, and, and you would think you can't charge. I, I deliberately picked a number of examples, of course, at the Minigas that we do charge, and we'll discuss why presently. But the, in principle, the, the Halakha is, the Gemara makes it clear, the post can say you're not allowed to charge for services that consist of the performance of a mitzvah, so, that's what we would have thought. So, the chidosh is, rapa that, that the aggressor, that, that the assailant can pay for medical treatment, nitna rishus bishar, the Gemara left out a crucial word, but the Gemara means the physician is allowed to treat patients and to charge for it. That's what Rabbi Yaakov of Arline says. The rush himself says he thinks Pshad is like that the chidosh is, that it's not considered theological chutzpah to treat the patient. So, Rabbi Yaakov of Arline is telling us that even though, in general, you're not allowed to charge for the performance of a mitzvah, medical treatment is an exception, and you are allowed to charge for that. Now, that sounds like that's in accordance with modern practice, where doctors, even uh, Erlach and righteous ones, do charge for their, for their services. The problem is, we don't him like Rav Yaakov of Orleans. Rav Yaakov of Orleans is a, is a quintessential Das Yachid. All the posts can disagree with him. The Ramban, the Ramban of the same discussion, the Ramban says, he has other, we said he has other explanations for what the Chiddush of Arapah yarape is, and he says, a doctor is absolutely not allowed to charge for his services. The Gemara says, the Gemara in Bechara says, a doctor is prohibited, that a, a person doing a mitzvah is prohibited from charging for his services. The, 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 the Mishnah in Becharis gives the example of a Dayan, the, the Gemara gives other examples, the Mishnah gives other examples of someone performing the services of paraduma, of mixing the ashes with the water, of sprinkling the water and the ashes on the tume. You're not allowed to charge for that. If you do, then everything is possible. The water is not paraduma water. The ashes are not paraduma ashes. It, they lose their, their uh, halachic status, and so on. You're not allowed to charge for doing a mitzvah. Why not? The Gemara explains, Minan and Moshe says he's teaching that the, I'm teaching you Torah as Hashem commands in me. Teaching Torah has to be done for free. And again, the Passover is talking about teaching Torah, but the Gemara is obviously, the Akronim point out, the Gemara is extending this to any mitzvah, paraduma, being a dayan, and so on you're not allowed to charge for the performance of a mitzvah, and that's it. So you're not allowed to charge for doing a mitzvah, this is, a, and so the Ramban says that applies to doctors as well. Doctors are not allowed to charge for their services. Again, as Yerika Meralim said, as all the Rishonim say, it's a great mitzvah for the doctor to heal patients, the doctor will get great tzachar olam ha'ba, but he can't get tzachar olam ha'zeh, he can't charge for his services because of this rule, anyone engaged in the performance of a mitzvah is not allowed to charge for the performance of the mitzvah. And so the, the doctor is 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 foreclosed from charging for his services. The this is what the Ramban says in Tara Sa'adam. The Torah in your and Simon Shinlaman Hey, his language is largely drawn from the Ramban. The Torah codifies this halacha of the of the Ramban you're not allowed to charge for medical service, medical services. The Shulchan Aruch Paskins like this, this Torah in Rambani, not allowed to charge, a doctor is not allowed to charge for treating patients. The Shulchan Aruch rules, pretty, uh, pretty black and white. The doctor is prohibited from charging for his services. Now the Ramban does carve out an exception. The Ramban says he can't charge for the medical services itself, the, what the Ramban and the, and the Post can call Chachma V'limud, he can charge for Tircha V'Habatol. That the, the Ramban explains that that there, that there are two things he's allowed to charge. He's allowed to charge for Tircha, which is the, the preparation for the mitzvah, the things he does in setting up the mitzvah and bringing, his, and bringing the for example, paraduma to, to fetch the water, to bring the water, to fill it up. That's not the mitzvah itself. The mitzvah itself is putting the ashes in and sprinkling it on the tummy, that you can't charge for, but the preliminaries, the preparation, you're allowed to charge for. Similarly, skarbatela, you're allowed to charge for. The, the Gemara says that if, if there are costs associated with the mitzvah, you need, you need transportation, you can charge for transportation, and you can charge for uh, Paul Batzel, you can charge if the person doing the mitzvah had a job, and he took off from his job, and he forfeited some wages. In order to do the mitzvah, that's called scharbetelah, opportunity cost, if he gave up other income to do the mitzvah, he's allowed to charge for that. So those two exceptions you can charge for, for tircha, for preparation and preliminaries for the mitzvah, you can charge, you can charge for the schar if you gave up other income, but you cannot charge for the performance of the mitzvah itself, and that's how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, and that's how all the Achronim Paskin, this would be Yaakov of Orleans, that the Torah of Rapa Yorapa is authorizing, making an exception for, for physicians, is not la halacha, nobody brings it down, and none of the posts can bring it. The halacha is like the ramban, that a physician is not allowed to charge for, for treating patients. Incidentally, when the ramban explains that you're not allowed to charge for, for medical services, he says he can't charge for chachma v'limud. he can't charge for his wisdom and for teaching, but he can charge for the, again, the preliminaries, or he can charge for the, for the, for his what does he mean by limud? He can't charge for learning for teaching. So most of the Akronim explain. Some of the Akronim explain that it means when he teaches the patient what to do, dress the wound like this, and take and take this medicine, and don't do this, and, and, and this is what you should do for teaching him and for guiding him of what to do. That's the mitzvah. He can't charge for that. The Sefer Bez Hillel has a different explanation. The Beis Hillel says, you know what the Ramban means when he says he can't charge for limud. He says medical school is expensive. When the doctor had to learn how to be a doctor, that might have cost him a lot of money. So you might think, even if he can't charge for the mitzvah per se, he can say, look, I, had, uh, I invested a lot of money to, to learn how to treat you. So at least pay me for those costs that I had. Says Basil, that's what Roman is saying you can't do. You can't charge for Sechar even if it costs you a great deal of money. Again, if right now you have to go spend money to research his condition, that cost you can probably pass along. I assume that you can pass along. If you incur costs marginal cost to treat this patient on behalf of the patient that you can pass along, I think. But the, the, the cost in the past, the cost of your training in general, not undertaken with this patient in mind, the Beit says you're not allowed to pass on. That's all included in mani Right now you have the training and the skill. Right now you can treat him. You have no additional costs. You're not allowed to charge him. You cannot pass on previous costs you had in learning to become a doctor. And again, this is the Halacha psuka of all the post-gim, like not of Orleans, that the doctor is prohibited from charging for his services. So the question, obvious... Silly, silly question. Why would anyone then spend money going to medical school if they cannot charge? Yes. So independently, wealthy people can do, right? Right. So Dr. Makavos is asking, so then, practically speaking, how would we incentivize doctors? Certainly today, where, the, where, where doctors... You have to devote years of your life, and and you come out of medical school with uh, student loans, and it uh, involves a tremendous investment of time and money. Then who who would be a, who would become a doctor? Well, he can treat non-Jews, but but who would become a doctor and treat Jews if he's not allowed to charge money? So per, so perhaps uh, I guess the, the logical next step would be perhaps the Torah is going to allow it for practical reasons in order to because uh, otherwise we won't have doctors, and we'll see some posts can do propose various arguments like that. Again, in the medieval period, in earlier, in earlier periods, doctor may not have been the full-time profession it was today. People were polymath. They, they studied science and physics and anatomy and Aristotle and philosophy and Torah in general. People like the Rambam and the Rambam himself were doctors. So they, they, they were doctors. They, they, the Rambam himself, apparently at the height of his career, did spend much of his uh, waking hours, much of his waking uh, lifespan, treating the sultan and his patients and the community. But in general... They, he managed to become the Rambam as well, so apparently it wasn't uh, an all-consuming, uh, an all-consuming uh, vocation. So perhaps these halachas uh, were written in a, in a time, were written for a time where a doctor could uh, become a doctor, kind of as a side, uh, as as a sideline. And we'll see. There are some postkim. We'll get to the postkim later. There are some postkim who do indeed propose various arguments in that general uh, direction to explain why doctors can charge. But in principle, in terms of what the halacha actually says, the, the, the halakha traditionally for, for centuries has been that a doctor is not allowed to charge his patient unless there is schar Now, in order to understand some of the heterims, some, some of the arguments for, for why doctors do charge, as I mentioned earlier, briefly, the same question really applies across a spectrum of religious services. There are a variety of religious professionals who charge for their services? All seemingly in violation of this rule of mani Bechina. So we met. So the rabbi, the rabbi charges for being a rabbi. Dayanim, dayanim is the that is the example of the missioner. That's how the whole thing gets started. Dayanim can't charge. Dayanim today do charge. A mohel, mohelim charge sometimes for doing brismila The so, so there, there are a variety of different cases of rabbinic professionals who do charge, and postmen have been struggling with, with these questions for at least 500 years or so, trying to reconcile the, the actual practice with the halacha. For some reason, the question about doctors doesn't arise until, as far, to the best of my knowledge, doesn't arise until relatively recently, but the question, the question regarding other rabbinic professionals, other professionals who do mitzvahs, goes back 500 years. One of the earliest... The earliest, uh, the earliest source that I'm aware of to, to, to broach this question in a practical way is Rabbi Ovadia Bartonur. Rabbi, Rabbi Ovadia Bartonur is the author of one of the great classic commentaries on the Mishnah. He's not primarily a halachist, but, but he was a great Talmud Chacham, and his opinions are quoted by the poskim. So he writes, he was concerned with Rabbanim, who arranged Gitin, Misadre Gitin, that they charge for administering the get in Ashkenaz in particular. He says, the Rabbani Ashkenaz, it's a terrible thing they do. They charge, and they charge uh, quite high fees for arranging a get. He says it's a terrible thing. It's, he calls it gezel, he says. It's, it's gzela and extortion. They know the person needs a get, and they know that they can't get it without them, so they extort money from them. And also, the get is possible, he says, because he thinks the get might be possible because the Mishnah says, if a dayan takes schar ladin, then din of betelim, Lahoya, they do some betela. So the Rav assumes that the Rav, who's, that the, the Rav of bartanura assumes that the Rav, who is Masadur the Rabbi who is Masadur Get, has the status of the Dayan, just like the Dayan is absolutely prohibited from charging. The Masadur Get cannot charge, and therefore the, the Get might even be possible And Post can ask a similar question about the Adim. Adim charge as well. The eidim who signed the Get charge as well. They're also doing the mitzvah. They're also doing some kind of din. So why are they allowed to charge for signing on the Get? The Shulchan Aruch, the Machaber, the Asfaradi brings the Rav and says that, uh, it's, one, it's, a, it's very rare, it's a case where the commentary of the Rav is brought in Shulchan Aruch. He's actually quoted by name. The Shulchan Aruch says, Rabbi avadia of, of, of Pirish Mishnah says, he complains about the Rabbanim who charged for Gittin. The Ramah says, the Ramah, of course, defends Minag Ashkenaz. The Ramah says, the Minag is not like this, the Minag is, they do charge, and the Rav is wrong. Why? Why is the Rav wrong? It sounds like he's making a good argument. So the, says the Ramah, sidur HaGed is not Din. It's true, a Dayan is not allowed to charge. As far as the Ramah is concerned, a Dayan still can't charge. Later, Achronim asked, Dayan charged as well. But the Ramah concedes that Dayan shouldn't be charging. But he says that sidur HaGed is not Din. Sidur HaGed is just Limud, not Limud at he means, but just uh, professional, professional services, but not Din. Some of the Akronim ask that there are posts who say that Sidra get is din. Some, some posts can require a basin for a get. Some posts can say a get should not be done at night because basin doesn't sit at night. We actually do do get at night often because we consider it often a shasaha, but ideally, a get should be done during the day because it is, according to some post din. So Akronim explained the Ramah means that the actual execution of the get itself, that moment where the man hands the get to the woman, that moment is, is din, but most of the time, most of the effort is spent preparing the get. The, the hour beforehand is writing the get, asking questions, investigating, doing paperwork. That's like the, the that's like the milui, that's the schar milui and the tercha. That's that's the stuff you do before the mitzvah that you're allowed to charge for. So you can charge for your the other work you do, just not for the sidra get itself. What about the witnesses who on a get who charge for their uh, who charge for their signatures? So the Ramah discusses that as well, the Ramah says if a witness ruins the get, if he does something wrong and he apostles the get, he has to pay for it. Malpractice. The, the The Ramah says that the reason the witnesses can charge for their services is because they're on the hook for malpractice. If something goes wrong they can be held liable for the cost of the get. So since they're liable for malpractice, that legitimizes charging for their efforts in the first place. Obviously that is something that might apply to a certain extent to doctors as well. Doctors certainly can be liable for malpractice. So charging to uh, charging to offset that cost, to, to, to pay for that risk, for assuming that risk is legitimate. Of course, today, most doctor, doctors generally get malpractice insurance. That costs money, but obviously not nearly as much, generally not nearly as much as the doctor is is making in general. If, if you if it would be a wash, again, he wouldn't be a doctor. Some doctors indeed abandon certain high-risk specialties because they're... Because the malpractice insurance is so high, it uh, takes the value proposition out of out of practicing in those specialties, at least in those jurisdictions where the where the costs of malpractice are so high. But and at, least, at least at least this is one angle for for a doctor to charge. The Ramah's angle that if there is again, I don't know how much the how much the agent charged in his time and how high the risk was, but uh, whether Ramah really means they can only charge a, a an actuarially fair value for the risk they're assuming, or he means once they're assuming risk, they can charge any amounts of money. Today, witnesses, when I sign on a GET, uh, I do sometimes get paid. The I have come close to ruining a GET. I don't think I ever have actually done it, and I don't think they would actually charge me if I did. They'd probably just write it off as a cost of doing business. But in principle, at least, the aid is, can be held liable for signing on a GET. And uh, if, if, he, if he ruins the GET, then this is the idea that charging, when you're assuming a risk of malpractice, is one possible header for the... One possible heter for the for the for for certain professionals to charge. The Tosus Yomtov on the Mishnah also rejects the Rav and defends Minogashkenaz. He and he has another heter for the for he's talking about the Rav, who's Sajr of the Get. He says he has another heter for why the, the ranger of the get can charge, why why a dian can charge, he says, despite the salacha, and this could also apply to doctors, some doctors at least. <clears throat> he says if a rabbi is in his office, and he's at home, and someone knocks on his door and says, I have a dentura, can I have an hour of your time for you to hear my dintarah? So then, yes, then the rabbi's not allowed to charge. However, if the rabbi makes himself available, he has hours, he commits himself, he, uh, he writes off a certain part of his day to be professionally available for for the community, that he can charge for. He can't charge for the dintarah per se, but he can charge, he says, for the... He can charge for making himself available to, uh, to, you know, to, to serve the public. So That would apply to a diet, he says, so that would apply to, to people who have, who are covea themselves to serve the community, and that could apply to doctors as well, certain kinds of doctors, doctors who, uh, who you have to call them and, and they'll see you when it's convenient for them and so on. Uh, maybe not, but a doc, certainly a, a doctor who has office hours, who, who commits himself to a hospital, to a public health network, to make himself available to the public for, for hours a day, that perhaps he can charge for, as opposed to a doctor who simply you call him up and he says, I'll tell you when you can come, when it's convenient for me. He's not making himself available and any, uh, he has no commitment to being available. Maybe not, but at least doctors who commit themselves to be available, to, uh, who, you know, who obligate themselves and who give up of their flexibility and free time to make themselves regularly available to the public, that would be another argument for why, again, he's not talking about doctors, he's talking about dayanim and other types of rabbinic professionals, but that type of Svara could be applied to could be applied to doctors as well. One of the most powerful arguments for allowing doctors to charge to charge appears in the Uruvatum of Ryonas and Aibchitz. Ryonas and three hundred years ago, was discussing the Dayan. As we mentioned, for a long time, Bhate Din, Dayanim would charge money, which is, again, flatly against the Mishnah. So the problem is, the problem with Dayanim, with doctors, is even though one of the great Heterim that goes back to the Ramban is Schar Betela, the idea that, that, if, the, that if, if the person doing the mitzvah gave up a job in order to do the mitzvah, he can charge for opportunity cost, the problem is that the halacha has a pretty strict uh, standard for that. It has to be what we call Schar de Demuchach. You have to actually be able to point to a tangible opportunity that you had and you turned down to do the mitzvah. That's called Schar Betela. To just, uh, in a general way, to say, well, maybe I could have gone, if I had a couple of hours of uh, free time, maybe I could have gone out and found a job somewhere, that, that, that doesn't count. That, that's not called sarbatale. You have to be able to point to a, a concrete opportunity that you gave up. So the question is, again, rabbinic professionals, doctors, and so on, maybe, had they not been doing medicine, they could have done something else. Maybe not, but, but, but how can they point to something and say, I would have done this? Ravionis and ipschitz nevertheless says, that is actually still considered Tzachar He says, Chazal we're talking about again, like we mentioned earlier, Chazal we're talking about a doctor, who was about a, a, a dayan or some a rabbinic professional, who was not, it was not his full-time job, <clears throat> that he had other things he did to support himself. So then, if for two hours he agrees to hear your Dintara, he has to be honest. We have to, he has to ask himself honestly, did I have any opportunity lined up for those two hours? If not, then he can't charge. That'll, but that's because he has a job. He, he earns, he, he, he makes money, he, he puts food on the table through some other job. Now, for these two hours, do, they, do these two hours have real economic value and cost to him that? He has to ask himself, did I have a particular opportunity for these two hours? However, he says, someone who's a professional rabbi, a professional dayan, someone who has no other source of income, he says, that he can charge for schar even if he can't point to a concrete opportunity that he gave up to be a rabbi. Because he says... That's what people do. That's how the world works. People, people get jobs to support themselves and their families. So we can, we can reasonably assume, he says, that had he not become a rabbi, had he not become a dian, he would have had a job. So that is called Taylor. Even though he can't point to a concrete, opportuni- a concrete opportunity, he can't show an offer letter that a firm gave him that we would love to have you sign on as an accountant, and he says, no, thank you, I'm becoming a rabbi. Even if he can't point to such a letter, that's the way of the world, he says, that people... People who are not devoting themselves to Torah and mitzvahs, they get jobs. And therefore, he says, that's called tzachar The reason Chazal didn't think of this is because Chazal were talking about people who had other jobs. And they, they just gave up a couple of hours of their discretionary time. So for those two hours, maybe he would have done nothing. if he, he already has a job, and he already puts food on the table. So unless he can show that he had something specific, he would have done In those two hours, he can't charge. But someone who has no other job and is simply a rabbi all the time... It's Pusherty says that he would have had some other job. Everyone understands that, even though, again, you know, unemployment is a thing. Unemployment is not zero. There are people who want jobs and don't find them. But nevertheless, that's what Ravyon Snapchat says: that someone who is a professional, full-time rabbinic professional, for him, that's called Skarbatela, and he's allowed to charge. And that would apply, obviously, to doctors as well. The Rvjonas makes a second argument, which I don't understand. He says the minhag is to charge. So whenever you have a minhag, it's kiilu hisnume metila. It's as if they made up this way up front that they're that, that they're that they're acting uh, with intent to get paid, and adated the minhaga. It's according to the minhag, and that's why it's legitimate. I don't really understand at all what that means. The Torah says mani bchinam. You're not allowed to make an agreement to pay. The halacha is, if you do make an agreement, the agreement is binding, and and the and the and the and the, and the person doing the mitzvah, even though he did an avera by taking the money he does have a legally enforceable claim in basin. So basin will enforce the claim even though he's doing the wrong thing. But it's wrong. So I don't know how it helps to say it's a minhag and a da'ita to de-hachi. I don't know how the minhag can legitimize an isser. But these are the two sfaris he says. The first one is this very broad and powerful extension of scharbetela. Anyone who is a full-time mitzvah professional, by definition, he says, we have the, we have a situation of scharbetela because we can assume he would have had some other career had he not gone into mitzvah, mitzvah activity. And the second tzvah is, that's the minog, and that itself legitimizes it. postkim discuss how a baltokeah is allowed a charge. Chazan, a, a baltokea, how are they allowed a charge? The early, early postkim the Rishonim, also discuss this question, but not because of mani Bachinim. They discussed the question of taking money for work on Shabbos. There's an isser called Skar Shabbos, you're not allowed to charge for work done on Shabbos. But surprisingly, they don't raise the question of they don't, raise, they don't raise the question of Ma'ani they, they, they don't raise the question of you're not allowed to charge for any mitzvah so the base mayor says that a mitzvah that requires effort and tercha, like the Gemara says filling up the water, that's tercha so you're allowed to charge for that even though it's a mitzvah the Stechemet has a long discussion about this he says, the Gemara's examples of tercha as we explained earlier were tercha which is separate from the mitzvah you fill up the water, that's not the mitzvah that's a heksher mitzvah, that's preliminary to the mitzvah that you're allowed to charge for If the mitzvah itself involves tircha and effort, he says, that's not so clear that you're allowed to charge for that. So That's a shayla. Whether if the mitzvah itself, besides being a mitzvah, also involves tircha, so that's a question as to whether you're allowed to charge for that or not. I suppose that might apply to doctors and maybe some types of teachers of Torah as well. In certain contexts, when you teach Torah, it's enjoyable, it's pleasurable, it's fulfilling. In other contexts, you teach little kids, maybe. There's a lot, of, uh, you know, a lot of gnashing of teeth and so on. Maybe it's effort. Maybe it's tircha. The Gemara actually says that teaching kids Torah is mutter for other reasons, because it involves child care if they're little kids, and you teach them other things which are not really Torah. But uh, the base mayor is telling us a new principle, that you're allowed to charge for tircha if the mitzvah itself involves tircha, then you're allowed to charge even if it's the mitzvah. So again, doctors. To some extent, they probably enjoy what they do. To some extent, it's a feeling of accomplishment and power and authority. But a lot of it, obviously, is work. You have to you stay up at night, and you, and, you, and you have to be away from your family sometimes, and you deal with difficult people. So I don't know. The, the question is how you define this category of Tircha. You know, they, they always say, if you, uh, you know, the, the, express, the inspirational quote is, if you love what you do, then you'll, then you'll never work a day in your life. It's nice, but it's not really true. I mean, even if you do love your work, sometimes, sometimes work is just work. Sometimes you have to do it even though it's work. So the question is, is, uh, is the practice of a physician on the whole, is it, is it considered tircha? Is it considered not tircha? So uh, further investigation into this would, would, be, would be called for, but that's another idea of the base mayor, that if a mitzvah involves tircha, you're allowed to charge for it, maybe the work of a physician would involve tircha, and maybe that would be something you can charge for as well. As I said, Postum don't really discuss the, the, the question about a physician. They discuss the Masadur Geth, and they discuss the Baltakea, and they discuss the Dayan. They discuss all these other cases. Nobody really, dis- as far as I can tell, nobody really discusses the question of why a physician can charge until until the last century. I don't know why. Maybe in earlier generations, doctors, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why they don't ask the question, but... I couldn't find anyone really asking this question about doctors specifically. Again, the postgame, the Shulchan Aruch, and the Shach, and the Taz, and the Beis Hillel, even the Aruch The Aruch says the Aruch Shulchan, only a hundred years ago. He says a doctor is now allowed to charge. The Aruch says if he if he if he makes a house call, if he if he if he make, makes the effort of visiting the patient, that's tircha that he can charge for. If he writes a prescription, he says that's tircha. I don't know what that means. I'm not sure why writing a prescription is any more tircha than uh, any more tercha than uh, giving him his medical advice which is not tercha. Writing doesn't seem to involve so much tercha. I don't know why he calls that tercha. But again, our still felt the basic halacha remains, remains in place. A doctor is not allowed to charge for the practice of medicine except for certain services which involve tercha. So why do doctors charge? So why are doctors allowed to charge? So we propose a number of answers based on svaras of the earlier achronim, but I didn't find anyone who asked the question until about 50, 75 years ago. Rabbi Avram Sofer Abraham, the Nishmas Avram, he he, he makes an argument similar to Avionis and Ipshitz, a little bit differently, though. He brings Tosus. Tosus asked the question about teachers of Torah. In Germany, in Ashkenaz, it was common people hired tutors, hired teachers, malamdim to teach their sons Torah. Today we hire schools. Back then they used to hire individual private teachers. And they would teach their children Torah. And they would pay them. If you, look, if you learn Hilchas Paul and the laws of employment in Shulchan Aruch, the, the and out of Ashkenaz all deal with melamzim. The laws of employment are all about uh, tutors. That's what was important to the German, the German Jews uh, teaching kids Torah. But the question is, how can you pay a teacher of Torah? Again, if they're little kids, you have a Tehran, but older kids, well, what's the Hatter? You, you hire someone to teach your teenage son Gemara, your, your older son Gemara, what's the Hatter? So Tosa says, Based on some sources in the Talmud, Tosa says that someone who has no other job is allowed to charge for teaching Torah, not because it's Scharbatela, like everyone's an adjective. Tosa mentions the hetero of Scharbatela as well, if there actually is Scharbatela. But besides Scharbatela, Tosa says someone who has no other job is allowed to charge for teaching Torah. Why? So he says, he makes the pragmatic argument, similar to what Dr. Makava said before. He says that. Tosa says someone who this is his whole job and ain mal parnes, he has no other source of income is allowed of charge because because he says uh he said what else is he going to do he says he says alkar lessparnes say they, they have to uh, they have to uh they they they, they, have, they have to they have to live off something they 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 can't uh you know they can't they can't just they they, they can't just starve. The, the, Rabbi Avram, so for Abraham, brings the language of the Rush. A similar idea. The Rush says people who have no other job, he says, Ef barav, they, we can't expect them to just live on air. They obviously have to get paid. So he doesn't. They don't really explain the Lamedus. What happened to Mani Bechinam, but they make a pragmatic argument. The Torah can't expect someone who commits himself to doing mitzvahs to live on nothing. If he doesn't have uh, independent wealth today, sometimes uh, the women work and support their husbands in kol. But the But the 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 Tosis and the Rush make this point that someone who has no other source of income, on the contrary, it's true, they might not be as far as Shabitele if they have no other skills and no other source of income, but HaGufa, if they have no other income, they have to be able to charge. How else are they going to live? So, it's just a kind of argument from necessity, from pragmatism. They have to charge, because how else are they going to live? Rabbi Abraham says, perhaps that's why doctors charge as well. He says that if the doctor wouldn't charge, if, if we would require the <clears throat> if we would require medicine to be a part-time activity, a hobby kind of, even if that would be possible in, in, in the modern world, he would, it would be a very inferior sort of doctor, and uh, the p- patients would it's not, it's not in the best interest of the patients, he says, so. and if they're full-time doctors, how are they going to live? So the same argument, for, for practical necessity, doctors have to charge, because otherwise, how are they expected to live? And that itself is a hector. He goes on, he brings from Roshol Mezalman Orbach, Rosh Alman didn't seem to think there was any general Hector, the way he quotes him for doctors to charge. He says, a doctor who could be seeing non-Jewish patients, you're allowed to charge a non-Jewish patient, and a doctor who has the option of seeing a non-Jew or a Jew, and gives up his non-Jewish patient to see the Jewish patient, that would be called Scharbatela. because had he seen the non-Jewish patient, he would have the right to charge him, and, be, and he gave that up in order to see a Jewish patient, that's scharbetela, and that's okay. But uh, Or he could do research, he says, if he actually has scarbetela, he can charge. But other than that, if Shlomo Zalman doesn't seem to feel that there is uh, that there's any other there's any other justification for a doctor to for a doctor to charge his patients, Jewish patients, Rav, Rav Shlomo Zalman does not like Rivinus and Eibshitz as far, that he could have gone into a different career. So that's called scarbetela. Rav Shlomo Zalman says he doesn't quote Rivinus and Eibshitz, but he says mustaver de ein of that's a stretch. To call that Skarbatela, maybe you, know, you could have learned something else. Skarbatela has to be concrete and tangible and present in front of you to say, well, I could have gone, I could have studied for a different degree and gone into a different career. That's not Skarbatela, he says. Serbish doesn't think there's any general good heter. The only thing he can think of is that if he had the option to do research with his medical degree or, or the option to see non Jewish patients, then he can charge the Jewish ones because even that, he says, is Efscher. Uh, F Oshul says maybe that's a that's a svara to be called Sarbhatela. Rafshulmazalman doesn't offer any solid, uh, unequivocal justification for doctors to charge. Ramosha Feinstein has a chuva where he strongly justifies the practice of doctors charging. He's actually critical of his correspondent for raising the issue, he says, but Klal in general, he says. You, you, you have no business uh, making trouble and questioning something, which is such a well-established custom. As I always point out, this is a very tricky thing. On the one hand, Poskim, when they agree with a minhag, talk about the power of minhag, and minhag mevatel halacha, and ein achara minhag klum, and so on. On the other hand, when they don't like a minhag, which they often don't, they often say things like, minhag osios gehennam. The same letters in minhag are in the word gehenum. And just because everyone does something doesn't mean that uh, you should do it. Someone just told me the name of my family, Rav. He, was, uh, he says, you know, there are certain practices that people do that are wrong. When you ask them, you know, where does this Heter come from? They say, the Heter comes from Allah. Allah told me this Heter. Allah tells you a Heter? Allah too and does. Everyone does this uh, in Yiddish. That's not a Heter. Everyone does it. Sometimes everyone is wrong. It's so a postkim. It, it, it's a fascinating question to try to figure out when we say if it's a minug it must be right, and when we say it's wrong. And sometimes, uh, sometimes people are wrong. So Ramosha says this is a minug. You shouldn't be challenging it. He says. So what is the actual heter? So Ramosha shoots down a few. Uh, shoots down a few other hetter. And he says he also doesn't like the svara for Bionis and aibshitz. He says going you know, tell me it's called Scarbatela, because he could have had another career, he says. Who knows what career he would have had, who knows if he would have been successful in another career. It's too tenuous, it's too speculative, he says, to call that scarbatelah. So Ramosha says that's not the heter. The heter of a doctor is not based on Scarbatelah. So what is the heter? So he says, Ramoshes says the heter is as follows. Jews would prefer to have Jewish doctors available to them instead of going to non-Jews. And in practice, he makes Dr. Makavos's Svara that nobody would be prepared to become a doctor you know, unless they know that they would uh, be able to earn an income, earn a living this way, he says. So again, he borrows the, language, the other language of the urnvitumim, he says, K'ilu hisnu. it's like they all made up that they're going to pay, he says, and, that, and, and, and that's the hata. So again, I don't really know what this means. The fact that they all agreed, if it's, an, if it's us here to charge money, agreeing doesn't help. If, if the Torah says you're not allowed to charge, Anytime the Torah is not allowed a charge, of course they agree. And you wouldn't be charging if you didn't agree to pay you. When awful became a taster, that's what the post can say. You're not allowed to charge even if they agree. If they agree, then it's a, it's a binding obligation. And Basin will make him pay even though you have no business charging. But you, you're not allowed to charge. So they Kevin makes this point at great length. So I don't know what emotion means. It's hisnu when they made up to charge. The Tumum also said it, but I don't understand what it means. And Remosha also makes the, the semi-pragmatic point that Dr. Makavos was saying that Nobody will be a doctor, even though you'll have non-Jewish doctors, but Jews want Jewish doctors. Again, why that's a heter, I'm not sure. There, there are many fine non-Jewish doctors out there. Jews will survive without having Jewish doctors, even if as long as they have non-Jewish doctors. So I don't know. I, I don't really understand Ramosha's Farah. But this is what he calls the Derachanachan. Ramosha does not like the other svaras. This is the svara that he says is uh, this is the svara that he says is uh, is compelling. But then he also brings the he also brings the other Svara, the Svara that Rabbi Abraham says, he brings in in the name, he attributes this to his grandson, Rabbi Mordechai Tendler. He says that you only need Skarbatela when you have another job. And therefore you basically can support yourself, then you shouldn't charge unless you have Skarbatela, you gave something up just to, to treat patients. However, he says, someone who has no other job, he says, and what's he supposed to do? He says, he says, yeah, he has to support himself. He has to have some means of earning a living. So it's Pashard he says that the that, that, that he has to be able to charge. He mentions again the others far The patients wouldn't want him to, uh, to moonlight and to, uh, and to have another job and, and, and be a doctor in his spare time. That's not a good doctor. Therefore, he says that there's no other way for him to do it. A, a proper doctor is one who's committed to his profession, and if he's committed to his profession and he doesn't charge, how's he going to live? I guess he could, always be a, he could always see mostly non-Jewish patients and see a few Jewish patients, but again, then there, won't be enough, there won't be enough appointments for the Jewish patients, so, because of all these fires, Ramosha says the doctor is allowed to charge. So, as we've seen, we, there are a variety of different arguments for the doctor charging. None of them are entirely satisfactory. Most of them are not entirely satisfactory. We have the malpractice idea, which again might legitimize charging something, although not necessarily the not necessarily the the, the, the full amount that they charge. We have the argument from from of, of the of the Nishmas of the Rush. The mentions it briefly. They have to charge, because how else are they going to live if they have no other job? We have the, the idea of Ravionis and Eipschitz, that it's considered skar betela, because they could have had another career had they not become a doctor. But Ramosha and Roshul Zalman don't like that svarah. They say that that's too speculative. Who knows what he would have done? And you have these other svarahs that the patients agree, and the patients are happy with the system because they want Jewish doctors, and they don't want a doctor who moonlights, and so on. And that svarah, even though Ramosha likes this, this svarah I don't really understand, even though Jönes and Eipschitz and Ramosha both say it, I don't really understand it that well because what does it matter that they agree? If Al Piyalacha, you're not allowed to charge, and the postcum seem to assume that you're not allowed to charge even if the person's willing to pay, you're still not allowed to charge. So, what does it matter that the patients agree that it's a minhag, that's what they want? At the end of the day, mani b'china, mafatab'china. So, it's not entirely clear why the doctors charge. as Moshe says it's clearly the minhag. Doctors, even those who are and Vishleim, do charge. We have to understand why, and even if none of the Reasons are entirely satisfactory. It it, it seems that this is a strong enough minhag, that it's a mitzvah liyashev, that it's our duty to try to find at least some justification for the doctors who charge for treating Jewish patients.